Well, the consumer accounts for about two-thirds of the U.S. economic activity. It's a huge component of what drives the economy, not to mention business activity and spending the world over. Joining us today to discuss this and more is Eddie Yoon. He's the founder of Eddie Wood Grow and co-founder of Category Pirates. He's also the author of numerous books, including his most recent titled Super Consumers, which was published through Harvard Business Review Press. So Eddie, I caught a recent interview that you did late last year talking about your bullish outlook on the consumer for 2024. Clearly, consumer spending was a huge tailwind to the economy and the defiance or face of many recession forecasts that did not materialize. Do you see those tailwinds persisting for the U.S. consumer into 2024? Yes, I, I actually do. And I think it's a reflection of a couple of things. Um, one is that the, I do think there are um, aspects of the economy that are still doing great. So unemployment remains very, very low. Um, all the you know high-level macroeconomic data suggests the consumer is still spending. So personal consumption expenditure, disposable personal income for MasterCard Black Friday spending up 2.5%. So it's they aren't gangbuster numbers, but they aren't declining. So that's good. And that um, at some level, part of the reason why I'm bullish is probably different than why people may have been bullish in the past. Um, I do think the consumer mindset has changed quite a bit, that there's a lot more sense of uh, self-reliance that, you know what, I can't control what I can't control, whether it's big government or, you know, big business are going to take care of me, whether through, you know, social security or retirement and employment. I, I think those naivete has kind of come uh, apart a little bit for the consumer. And so they, they're kind of like, you know what, um, I got myself to rely on, uh, and I'm probably going to be working longer than I expect to. And given all of that, I'm going to spend on me now for what makes me happy. And so some of the macro trends that we see are people, you know, shifting away from spending on products to spending on experiences and then spending even more on things that kind of deliver transformation. So uh, whether we see in the beauty or medical aesthetic side, a lot of kind of growth on that side. So for the right things that either make people feel good or look good or, you know, are better versions of themselves, they're totally happy to spend for that and shift away from things that are just kind of stuff like you would get at a Walmart or Target. And that's part of the reason why physical goods retail is suffering while um, other service providers are really thriving. So I, I think you're going to see some macro trends that uh, allow the net consumer spending to go up or be constant, but there will be winners and losers in the marketplace. Okay. So you are still bullish on the U.S. consumer for 2024. You expect consumer spending to continue more on the services side than on the good side. And uh, we should point out that the retail sales data that just came out today reflects the fact that consumer spending is still exceeding expectations. So no signs of a big pullback in consumer spending as of yet at least when we think about services, we do continue to see less spending on goods, as you pointed out, and you also expect that to continue through 2024. Well, I, I think it will come back for some categories. So on, on the good side, um, you're, you're going to see goods that, again, kind, kind of in, the, so I, I kind of tell it as a tale of two economies, so to speak, right? You've got physical commodity goods are probably going to continue to suffer. Um, and that's why I, I do think there's kind of tough roads ahead for again, traditional retail that are predicated on, hey, we're cheap, we're a great value. And so, you, you know, you saw Bed Bath & Beyond, you know, uh, declare bankruptcy, large, you know, 
largely because their 20% off coupons that they kept mailing everybody kind of cheapened the experience. And, you know, you got to this place where like, I can always get a deal. So uh, products and categories and retailers that are kind of like, come here for a great deal, they're going to go the way of JCPenney and Bed Bath & Beyond. Like, you know, th that is kind of the bullseye for Amazon and all kind of e-commerce because they're just better on price. And so any of these categories that used to win on price, they're going to have a really hard time versus I think premium goods um, may actually survive and thrive on that front. Uh, and that even beyond that, I, I see even more growth for services. So Carnival Cruise, the CEO, said that the full year revenue for them was $21.6 billion, an all-time high. You know, TSA passenger travel remains plus 12% up year over year. Like, you know, again, the experiences will trump normal goods, but within the goods section, uh, premium goods are actually going to do fine. So I, I see a lot of growth on the skincare side. Um, especially, you know, again, for things that deliver transformation and experience, especially in a digital economy, when we're doing more and more on Zoom and TikTok and Instagram, and your face is just that much more important, um, even though it was important beforehand. And so people are going to spend to make sure that they look good um, on digital because that stuff's going to be recorded for all history. You know, it's so interesting the way we see demographic trends and different generations responding to the challenges that we face today, you know, particularly post-COVID. Something you were mentioning reminded me of the fact that I just met one of my uh, distant relatives who came and visited in San Diego, where we're located. And it's interesting because they're living the van life and they're not spending a lot of money on goods, but they're all based on experiences and they work remotely from their van or from wherever they need to uh, as they're traveling and they're on their way to Cabo right now. I, I love that van life because it, 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 I think it's really a testament, I think, to the creativity of the consumer today is that whole kind of parable of, you know, the guy that's fishing on the pier and, you know, the business guy says, oh, if you just commercialize your fishing operation, you can make a lot of money and retire and then fish all day, which is like, and he's like, well, that's what I do now. Right. And I, I think that consumer is adopting that kind of mindset of, you know, why should I struggle and wait in uh, uh, delay gratification until I retire? That may not ever happen and uh, take advantage of it right now. Cause I, I think part of what we're also seeing is that the original, um, the American dream is still well thriving and, and, and of great interest, but I think consumers are realizing that the way that it was historically defined, you know, big house, two and a half cars, kids, whatever, that all of those assumptions are things that people are not questioning as potential areas of waste um, at the expense of stuff that I could be enjoying right now. Uh, do I really need a house that is yay large, even though, you know, I'm not going to be using a huge part of it. So that the van life obviously addresses that. This whole idea of college, college enrollment is down significantly from its peak in 2012. Like this idea that college is a net good is not uh, necessarily true anymore. And even the whole nuclear family, you're seeing um, birth rates at an all-time low. And that a lot of young people are like, do I really want to have kids? And do I really want to have a family? And, you know, that's got some serious consequences for the economy in the long run. But in the near term, it means that there's a lot more discretionary spending. And that's the reason why I'm still bullish on the consumer spending for 2024. Okay. So, you know, as you said, the aspects of the economy you believe are still doing great. Uh, unemployment is low. Consumer spending numbers are not gangbusters, but they're not declining as well. 
You mentioned how consumers are becoming increasingly self-reliant. And uh, obviously, you know, there's just a lack of trust in general for all institutions today. This is part of that. And, you know, just uh, I I actually just made a a really big purchase recently um, because my trust in our local water infrastructure has fallen dramatically. So (laughs) I bought a reverse osmosis system under my sink. Yeah, that's hundreds of dollars. And then I had to buy another filter for my house that was, you know, getting towards the thousands of dollars. So that was a pretty big purchase that I made in terms of having a little bit more control over the quality of my water because it's just gotten so bad. And it seems like you're saying that consumers are moving increasingly in this direction on a number of different areas. What are some of the other biggest consumer trends that you're watching currently? Yeah, the water example is great. Why would you buy bottled water, which is an evergreen expense, when you can kind of quote unquote invest in capital and put in your own water system and filtration? Um, I think you're seeing that in parts of the Southwest with solar uh, continues to be, you know, manna from heaven as consumers are like, you know what, I don't want to deal with the unreliable grid and let me, you know, figure that out. And it's not even just solar with battery technology. Um, you know, where, where I was born and raised in Hawaii, like there's an increasing number of households that are just saying, do I need solar or do I just need batteries to take advantage of the time of use um, you know, arbitrage when, you know, rates are low during the day and higher during the night? Um, even just storing that can reduce your electricity bill a dramatic amount. And so I think that people are getting smarter about how to manage their money and thinking more long-term about like, do I really need to make huge capital investments in my house, my education, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, The other trend that we're continuing to see is um, this whole kind of idea of uh, my face of my investment, as I mentioned. And so, you know, orthodontics continues to grow. Uh, I One of the businesses that I'm involved in is uh, Janeo, which is a medical facial device. Um, and people are spending tons of money to make sure that their face looks good. And they view that not just as an experience, but, you know, frankly, as a long-term investment that um, if I am going to be working longer and my face to a large degree is my business card, especially if I'm working remote, I'm going to make sure that my resume doesn't just look good, but my face looks good so that, you know, it just kind of human nature is um, the, the, the sharper you look, you know, sadly, the way that the world works is the more you might get ahead or the more, you know, credibility your, your peers might treat you with or whatever it might be. And so we're, our, that business and the whole medical aesthetic space is growing dramatically and that it has been a wonderful place uh, from an investment standpoint. And so I, I think that this notion of, of um, you know, smart shifts from operating expenses to capital expenditures are one, making long-term bets on things that consumers know will pay off like their face is another one. And I think this kind of preparation for this life that is just going to be different, asynchronous and non-linear of, you know what, do I really need a home or can I be mobile and just zoom in from wherever I am? And then also um, this idea of, you know, I might have multiple careers over my lifetime, uh, you know, especially because um, I better be diversified because I don't want to be 50 and having had one job and one career and then pushed out for a 30 year old and not have any real skills to develop there. So I I think that kind of self-reliant consumer, I think is really sparking and catching fire where people are spending money to make sure they are prepared for the long run. And that's going to create some real winners and losers in the economy. 
So in general, you're still bullish on the consumer for 2024. You think that the tailwinds are still in place. And there's a number of different trends that you mentioned. One of those that got a lot of attention late last year was the big pickup that we saw in buy now, pay later schemes or programs. There's a number of different services that provide that, Affirm, Sezzle, and others. Uh, these have been around for a while. They're not new, but it just seems like consumers are much more comfortable in perhaps using these or maybe businesses are making them much more available than they did previously. What's your take on the big pickup and dramatic increase that we saw in that use? Yeah, no, it, it's a great uh, call out. We saw Affirm users went up to 16.4 million in June of last year, um, just up from 3.6 three years earlier. And so, you know, I, I think there's a couple of things going on. Um, one is uh, I think the consumer is getting savvier about how to manage their quote unquote balance sheet um, with debt. And there's a little bit of this. Um, I don't know if you saw that kind of uh, the rich man, poor man author or rich dad, poor dad author. Kiyosaki. Kiyosaki. Yeah. He's like, hey, man, I got one point two billion dollars of debt. And who cares if I can't pay back? That's the bank's problem, not my problem. And I was like, yeah. oh, but that's interesting. <laughs> and I, I think the consumer is kind of doing the same thing of like, you know what? It's too hard to do it the way before. Um, if And if the U.S. government can run up the credit card, maybe I can too. And so I, I think hopefully there's enough savvy and smart consumers who are not going to overextend and are just taking advantage of 0% rates um, and kind of, kind of getting nice time value of money. From that standpoint, there will always be people who are undereducated and who will get caught up and uh, perhaps make some bad decisions about that. So that'll be the risk. And hopefully there are um, a greater number of savvy consumers versus uh, consumers that are going to be taken advantage of so that that doesn't come into uh, uh, another problem down the road. But in general, I think the consumer is smarter about managing their money than ever beforehand. And um, you know, if we can make sure the angels outpace the demons on that, then we'll be set up for a good 2024. And it sounds like, given your comments earlier, that even though you think the physical good side of the economy is going to continue to suffer, you see lots of growth on the skincare side. Oh, yes. I mean, that that that's the other one, I think, is the real kind of interesting trend from a consumer healthcare perspective is, um, you know, ha having worked in consumer categories for almost 30 years now, you know, I, I used to look at kind of skincare, beauty and aesthetics as a little bit of like, oh, it's just vain people. But um, ironically, I've kind of come around to this point of view that vanity is actually the path to sanity when it comes to your own healthcare. Like, you know, the US has a massive obesity problem and healthcare costs are going through the roof. And that ironically, if we actually got people more vain, then, you know, if you kind of say, hey, if I take care of my skin and my face and I get a glow to facial, I look great. And maybe I ought to, you know, change my eating habits and exercise habits so that the rest of me looks good as well, too. And that's not a point of view that I had beforehand, but I am actually seeing that now of if aesthetics and skincare and beauty can deliver some real results and we're getting away from the historical lotions and potions that don't actually do anything to real technology innovations that deliver the goods. And that I've been seeing that people do that, they feel great, and then they make changes in the rest of their lifestyle, which ripple effects uh, to the rest of the economy. Because obviously, if you look better and you exercise better, you're going to need new clothing, you're going to you know, perhaps buy better food. And that's where the economy will really get going. And so I think we're at the very opening innings on that, whether it is stuff like medical aesthetics and beauty or the GOP ones and Ozempic. And you know, we'll see kind of what 
kind of the market shakes out at, but vanity uh, I've come around to may actually be a good thing. Yeah. So you're looking at it as part of health and wellness. And you mentioned Janeo, I believe it was. Yeah. It, it's, it's, um, it's a product that's been out for a bit. It's a division of a Israeli company, Luminous. And so Janeo, uh, my, my business partner, Clint Carnell and I, um, we took it on in the U S and it's a, uh, think of it as a medical facial device. So, you know, kind of high-end technology. Uh, there's a wand with serums, goes on your face. You know, they put this serum on your face that has CO2 in it and it activates the body's kind of natural healing power so that um, literal oxygen will come up through the bloodstream, through your skin. And you know, it's got this little stingly feel to it. So, you know, men tend to have lower pain tolerance than women. So women are quite fine with it. I'm a little bit of a, a, a wimp and a loser. So I'm like, Ooh, it's a little, you know, too much for me, but um, it feels great afterwards. And then your skin just looks glowy for a couple of weeks after. And, you know, my, my, as, as kind of a caveman, when it comes to skincare, you know, I didn't really know much about this until I started working in the space. And then my wife was like, Hey, anytime you give a big presentation, you have a big meeting or you go on TV, you better get one of these. I'm like, oh, well, that's simple enough to remember. And so it's kind of this fascinating thing where you can see the results and they last. And, you know, for a couple of hundred bucks, it's actually something that people are kind of crazy about spending on. And then, you know, uh, this is what I mean by kind of historically, um, you had things that were the lotions and potions section of the skincare was like, you put the stuff on your face, might be really expensive. Does it deliver a result? Who knows? Uh, all the way to kind of hardcore lasers and plastic surgery, which does work, but has a cost to it, both monetarily and from a downtime and healing perspective. And this kind of middle lane of things that are very efficacious and they work immediately. They're not super expensive, but they feel good and they don't you know, kind of take you out of life. That's where the market is really going. That's what I mean kind of by innovation and technology in the space is really kind of uh, driving a ton of growth. And, and it's not just in chat GPT, it's also on the skincare front and it's also on the consumer front um, in a many, a lot of areas. And this is an age where, you know, whether, um, I, I think in general, um, my bet for categories is on the future. So whether it is a glow to facial or self-driving cars from Tesla or, you know, um, whatever it might be like, we are in an age in, uh, where technology is driving real results. And, you know, if the past 20 years were kind of, you know, uh, digital innovations from a technology standpoint on your phone and your computer, I think we're in an age of physical innovation and technology where it's not just, oh, I can search for this and get a video, but I can actually go faster, you know, uh, drive safer and look better. And that's the kind of technology and growth that I think is going to be, um, you know, really fueling the economy going forward. And that companies that are just kind of the same old, same old and people buying on autopilot, they're going to have a hard time unless they can prove they actually make a difference in a consumer's life. All right. So again, 2024 bullish tailwinds for the consumer you believe are still in place. And one of the areas that you think could see potential growth this year and perhaps outperform other areas would be on the beauty and skincare side of things. 100%. Well, once again, we've been speaking with Eddie Yoon, founder of Eddie Would Grow. You can check out his most recent book, Super Consumers. And Eddie, it was a pleasure speaking with you on our show. What would be the best way for our listeners to follow more of your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Eddie Would Grow uh, or on LinkedIn, Eddie Would Grow as well. And, um, you know, super psyched to be here. And I can't wait for the rest of the year to get on because I'm excited about it. 
If you have any questions or feedback on what we discussed today, or if you'd like to get in touch with us at Financial Sense Wealth Management, feel free to check out our new website, financialsensewealth.com, or you can give us a call at 888-486-3939. For FS Insider, I'm Chris Sheridan. Thanks for listening. Financial Sense News Hour is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be considered as a solicitation or offer to purchase or sell any securities. The investments, investment strategies, and investment philosophies discussed or presented on the News Hour each involve their own unique risk factors, which are not discussed on the show. Responses to listener inquiries are based on the personal opinions of the Financial Sense staff and do not take into account listener suitability, objectives, or risk tolerance. Financial Sense News Hour and its parent company shall not be liable for any financial losses that result from investing in any company mentioned in financial sense or arising out of the use of any material on the news hour be advised that you invest at your own risk